go out to LA. Somebody needs to do a song for LA. Hello, my name is Elaine, and I'll be your tour guide through South Central Los Angeles. Count my nose, smoke up. I'm from California. Where you from? So what? I'm from California. This is Los Angeles. Well, where are we going? Westward, ho. Microphone check 10 from the West Coast. Okay, look. So, look. Um, I went to go see Joker, right? Uh, I got to say, I don't want to be prisoner of the moment, right? But that is that is uh, top five movie of 2019 thus far. You know, we still got November. We still got the rest of October, really. Uh, still got November, still got December, but it definitely was a great movie. Now I know a lot of people, um, it's a lot of shit that ties into this. Some people read the comic books. Uh, you know, I myself didn't really dig deep into DC comic books. Um, I did watch, I've been watching Batman since I was a little kid, you know what I'm saying? From the, from the pal and, and wham, you know what I'm saying? Shit all the way to the cartoons and seeing all the movies and the different Batmans that we had to go through, the different Jokers that we had to go through. Um, I thought Suicide Squad was a solid Joker. I, and, and still, getting still, I still think Heath Ledger, let me just say this. It's going to be a little bit of spoilers, but I'm going to tell you the main reason why I don't normally do, um, like reviews on movies. Uh, I really don't even like doing like reviews on music that much. Um, at, at not a not a full show or whatever. Uh, I will on somebody else's platform, but on my platform, I don't like to really do movie reviews. I don't. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not into it like that. It's just that I don't feel like a whole episode of breaking down a movie that everybody wants to go see. That's just not my thing on my platform. The reason why I like I like this movie is because I can relate to the character um, a lot. And the reason why I say that is because I've worked on Skid Row before. I currently work with adults with disabilities. And I, and I can't go into details with the clients that I work with because of restrictions and laws and you know, just protecting their identity and their rights. Um, but I can speak on what I what I am now able to see when I'm in public. Been working in this field for the past six, seven years. I can, I can, I can identify um, who may uh, who has uh, mental illness or a mental disability. Um, and and there's some there's a, there's a there's a difference there's a there's a difference uh I, like I said I worked on Scare Row, um and before I say that there is another topic that came from this movie that I pitched to my boy Delvin Cox Delvin Cox Experience podcast uh, check him out uh, I pitched the idea to him we're going to work on that and as soon as we get that together uh, you know start working on it and drop the show i'll let you out I'll, I'll let you guys know more about that show and how i came up with it but for this t- for this particular show i just wanted to uh share share with you guys why this movie was so dope to me 
why um, it ruffled some emotions for me and how I can relate to it is because, like I said, I worked on Skid Row before um, and I knew about Skid Row before I worked before I worked on Skid Row as a teenager. I didn't know I didn't know anything about it as a as a kid, as a child. But as a teenager, I did because that's where we used to go. We used to go downtown for the the discounted prices on the shit that we would wear, uh, whether it was for prom, uh, winter formal or some shit like that. Downtown was the spot to go to. Um, so, you know, going downtown, especially if we went by ourselves, uh, kids ended up on scare Row, seeing the shit and things like that. Now, working down there was a whole totally different story as well, because I'm in the game now. I worked in both a transitional uh, program and I've worked in um, the hotel. They call them hotels, but they're like single. They're like single rooms. Uh, that they can pay rent for. They're either Section 8 or uh, market rate. Um, and I've worked in, you know, at the time, I think they had about, you know, somewhere between 12 to 15 different hotels under one company. And I've worked at majority of those uh, hotels, all of them, at the front desk, assistant manager. And um, I've seen all kinds of shit. I've seen a lot. I've seen transgenders. I've seen schizos. I've seen people under the influence of meth, uh, crack, uh, heroin, you name it. You know, that wet, you know, <laughs> angel does everything. I've seen everything down there. I've seen death. You know, what I'm saying? I've seen bodies down there. I've seen body marks, dead body marks on the floor to where... Bro, I walked into a room before to where we had to like pack out the room and the dead body that was on the floor. They had picked it up already. I think they had picked it up either the day before or that day. Well, it had to be the day before or even a couple of days before because the room didn't have a smell to it anymore. Uh, and if you ever smelled death before, um, you'll never forget that. Uh, so it had to be it had to either been a couple of days or they really cleaned the shit out of that room. But the body had been there so long. I knew what clothes he was wearing. It was a, <laughs> seriously, it was a black man that wore a red polo shirt and some blue jeans. And the reason why I had, I, I know this is going to sound a little creepy, but I did have a picture of it. Uh, but it seemed like someone, but it looked like someone was drawing a body and colored it in on the floor. Uh, so I've seen a lot of shit on Skid Row. And my boy Bass, one of my closest friends uh, since high school, me and him worked together down there. Uh, and actually, he still works down there. And um, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. So that's why I said this movie, I relate to this movie um, a lot because I've been around. I've been around adults with not the same type of uh, illness that he had. He dealt with. Uh, I mean, he said it in the movie. One of the one of the one things that stood out. Besides his journal was the fact that he said the day he was born, he was never happy. He was never happy. And he, he didn't really find out until he was an adult that his mom was full of shit. Basically, I, I mean, basically, that's what it comes down to. He didn't know his mom had the same issues and he was adopted. So all this shit is just fucking up his head. Now, I'm trying to separate the actual person from the character uh transforming into joker 
Joker is just a thing that grabs people to come to the movie theaters. This is the origins story to Joker. And this is how he became Joker. One thing that I can appreciate about DC is they always kept it grimy, gritty, dark, etc. I think they they was let's put it like this. They were a level or two away from like the gore shit. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't expect I didn't I didn't expect that. I didn't. I didn't expect it to be that dark. Um, although there were reviews, quick reviews, and I, you know, you unless you stay off of social media or you um, you skip through certain podcasts when they bring up the reviews, it's hard to it's really hard to stay away from it. Uh, so I had already been spoiled with certain things, but it wasn't in, in detail. So I got to see it for myself. But the two scenes that they're talking about that that disturbed the nation was basically, you know, when he killed the talk show host on live TV. Uh, and then uh, and previous to that, he had took out and admitted that he took out um, the three young cats. Right. So in the in the train. So. Um, I've always respected DC for that because they kept it grimy and things like that. Now, I want to get back to the character himself, uh, Arthur. I think his name was Arthur. And you could just see all through the movie how this man just dealt with a lot of, I would say, frustration. Maybe, you know, you could throw a twist of depression in there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say he was stressed out, but I would say more frustrated because in somewhat, in, in, in a way, let me, and, and let me tell you, let me tell you, like the reason why I said I could relate to him is more so because like I said, I deal with clients that's very similar to him, but at the same time, I could relate to him because I deal with the same frustrations that he was dealing towards the world. So you could tell his illness um, was, I mean, he, he even, I mean, it was stated in the movie that he was on several medications and he wanted to up his dosage. And I'm, and I'm going to tell you, like I said, I can't really, I can't really tell you in detail what I do at work um, in details, because like I said, there's restrictions, there's rules, there's a, a, a privacy to everything. But anytime you up dosage on medication for anybody, doesn't matter if it's, you know, a milligram, a half a milligram or something like that. It can affect some people. Uh, and for him to be aware of that and notice that and wanting wanting that to happen. That was a that was a major sign. That was a major sign. A lot of people feel like this would stir up a lot of controversy about people with mental illness going out there justifying shooting up or ha starting a mass shooting. I think that's a reach. I don't think people should take movies as serious as they do. But if you're saying that this movie can trigger somebody's mental illness to where they'll go ahead and do that, I'm still going to I'm still going to call that bluff because the amount of movies that's that's come out prior to this. I think the reason why this one is circled and this one is highlighted is because it's one of the biggest villains we've ever had in, you know, in comic book history. Um, and it's during this era where shit is so sensitive. 
And it is. And don't get me wrong. Like I said, it triggers some emotions with me because I work with clients with disabilities. And I've also worked with I worked around people with mental illness on scared Row. And when I tell you, I said and talked to some of these people, bro, like you will be amazed. It's people down there on scared Row that got PhDs, that got master degrees, that had businesses, um, had families had money and now now they're sleeping in a car sleeping on the sidewalk sleeping in a whole uh, one bedroom whole not even a bed a bedroom but more of a uh studio apartment that's the size of you know that's about the size of somebody's living room at best you know what i'm saying uh you have to share a community bathroom in most cases most of them have to share their share a community bathroom so this mental illness mess is crazy. And I'm, and I'm, I, I really appreciate this movie. Now, the message that was, uh, that came across, well, like I said, this was more so, uh, basically telling people the origin of the Joker story, how he came about, how he started everything, how his personality came about. The one thing that I really appreciated is that his laughing was a disability. It was an illness. You know what I'm saying? He would laugh uncontrollably, but it would hurt him. Which was that that whoever thought of that was that that was great. I also feel like this for all the nerds and shit out there and and, and for the debates between um, I can't really pronounce his name and I don't want to mess it up. But, you know, his last name is Phoenix. And then you got Heath Ledger. A lot of talk has been coming up about the comparisons of the two Jokers. I personally think both of them were phenomenal. I also think this Joker was was a would be a great transition into the Heath Ledger Joker because Heath Ledger was already, that Joker was already full-fledged in the game, whereas this one was the origin of it. And I think both of them played a phenomenal role. Uh, we know what happened to Heath Ledger. Um, and to just to play that, yo, for them to both play those roles, you really, you got to have some therapy after that. You got to go sit down and talk to somebody after that to play those roles like that. And this man played the full two hours of it. I mean, he was on he was on the screen 90 to 95 percent of the goddamn time. You know, so Heath Ledger, um, you know, in the Batman movie, he was on the screen probably about 30 to 40 percent of the movie. But he was just in some very important parts. Um and he played a hell of a role. And everybody knows Jack Nicholson is going to be <laughs> is going to be a legend because he was the first one uh, on the major screen uh, to just dominate that role. But as far as bodying the, the true like we've seen the pain with those both jokers and to see the origin of whatever. Man, that's just that shit took me back to scare role. It did. It took me back to scare role. I mean. The people that I met, like I said, I met the transgender before Hispanic, Hispanic cat. You know what I'm saying? He, she, whatever I'm going to call. I'm, I'm going to re I, I forgot what her name was. I forgot what his name was. Uh, but I remember, you know, he had moved into the building where I worked at. And not too long ago, he had got his chest done. Somebody had paid for his chest. I actually met the person that paid for her to get the chest done. Uh, it, was a, it was an older white guy, you know, because they did have they were allowed to have um, overnight guests. 
they will pay a fee. I think it was like $8 or something like that. Like $8 for an overnight guest. You, you was allowed to have one overnight guest, uh, and then you had to fill out a money order, $8, bam, they could stay, right? But it had to be done before a certain time. Those, those details really don't matter. But just to give you an idea, um, there, there were people coming down to Skid Row, people that worked nine to fives, people that had careers that would come down and I couldn't tell you what they was doing behind closed doors, whether it was sexual, whether it had something to do with drugs or alcohol. But I'm going to tell you this much. People don't come down to Skid Row to, to do anything of the opposite. <laughs> they don't. You come down there is just pure filth. It's like the Disneyland for negative shit. To, to believe it or not, they have programs down there. They have transitional programs down there. They got people that actually stay down there, but it's not something like, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. Those programs work for people who really want to get out of there. It's really a different world down there. You know what I mean? And again, these people are not just limited to scare row. They get into the world out there. You know, they may not they may not travel as far as we do, but they travel just like everybody else. You know, we we may be able to to get in a car and go from this city to this city or whatever. But if, some people had cars down there. Some people got cars. Some people know how to catch the bus. Some people be going all day. And you, it's just different levels of people. But a lot of those people down there have mental illness. And I treated all of them with respect. All of them with respect, especially when they respect me back. So I respected that a lot. Now, moving along to the job that I have now, I deal with a lot of clients that have mental disabilities. Uh, and they are on as much medication as the Joker was. And the reason why I brought up Scare Row and the job that I have now is because they are very similar. When I interview for this job, I would say the Scare Row experience help me get this job besides just being a, you know, I could, I could knock out an interview real good. I'm real good at interviews, but the fact that I have that experience and not only that, the type of, the type of shit that I was around, you know, like I said, I was around, uh, people that did meth. I got a phone call at three o'clock in the morning at the front desk saying, there's a guy up here that keeps peeking out of the bathroom uh, just a minute ago, he was tearing up his room. He's making a lot of noise and he's totally naked and, and true. Indeed. I get on the elevator. Um, I get off on the second floor. It was on the third floor. I get off on the second floor to walk up this, the, uh, the stairs. And, um, I walk up the stairs and I do see him. I'm at the, I'm at the, the, the end, uh, the opposite end. And I see him and he sees me. Mind you, he's off of meth. Now, um, you could Google the side effects and, and the shit. Like, all I know is you don't want to be around a person that's off of meth. You don't want to be a person that's off of sherm, that wet. You know what I'm saying? Um, those are people that I don't want to be around. I really didn't want to be around any crackheads because them niggas was crazy, too. I'm just I'm just being real with you. They was it. They was in my face daily. People I've seen cast off of heroin. Like slumped over. There's a cat that was talking to me, smooth cat, somewhere in his 60s, little skinny, little short dude, talking to me, took three steps and just started leaning. 
And I'm like, God damn. That's that heroin. Um, and I was I was taught the game down there because of the manager that I had. And and he taught he put me up on game because he had been he's from another state, but he had been out here since he was like a teenager <clears throat> or like maybe his early, early twenties. Uh, he came out here. And so he knew about the nightlife on Scare Row. He knew about, you know, all of that. And um, he taught me the game. And it was, it's man, it's cold out there. It's cold out there. And then again, like I worked at the transitional program where it was 40 to 50 dudes in one dorm. Everybody got different personalities. Everybody got different illnesses. You know what I'm saying? Some cats were out of the service. You know, some cats was just homeless. Some cats was out of jail. Some cats was out of prison. And you got 40, 50 cats in one place. Testosterone, crazy. Medication, crazy. Not only that, they had, um, what do you call it? They had curfews. So anytime they came in after... Uh, I think it was 10 o'clock, if I'm not mistaken. If you had a job, we knew that. So you can come in after 10 if you had a job. But if you didn't have a job, you had to be you had to be at your bunk during count time. And you had to be inside the building for sure uh, before 10 o'clock. If you came in after that or if you came in after the count time, then we had to drug test you and see what you know our supervisor wanted to do. Bro, it was it was times where, you know, cats would come in late with no note, not coming from work. And I had to call my supervisor. My supervisor like, yo, uh, you need to drug test them and then get the results uh, and then call me back. If I called him back and something popped up, you know what I'm saying? They tested for something and he said, pack them out. I had to pack them out. That mean I had to walk them to the dorms, to their bed with a trash bag, tell them to get everything that they have, their, all their personal belongings, put in that trash bag, and they got to go. Where do they got to go? That, that was none of our, that's not our problem. And it's sad to say because you want people, you don't want to kick nobody out at, after 10 o'clock, after 10 p.m., and the cold part about it, you're in the dead middle, you're in the heart of Scare Row. So I'm kicking him out to like the devil's playpen right then and there. Now, I know he just finished coming from out there doing whatever he was doing. But at the same time, it's like, man, you know, you, you, you still kind of feel you still kind of feel bad. But I had to do that. And I had to do that to people that was actually on drugs. I had to do that to people that was mentally ill. And the reason why I bring that up is because. Like I'm, I'm also risking my life as well. So, um, you know, by the grace of God, I didn't have any, I didn't have any issues with anybody. I mean, it was a couple of run-ins that I had, but I didn't really didn't have any issues with packing anybody out. Um, one thing that I learned about working on Skiro, and one thing that I learned about, um working in the company that I have now that I'm in now is you got to have patience for one and two, like you have to talk, you have to talk, you know, you have to build a relationship. And that was the one thing that I took away from, from all of this. Like, like this, this Arthur cat was, was thirsty 
for a relationship, not not just a romantic relationship, but just a relationship with someone that cared about him. You know, that's why throughout the movie before you before they threw the uh, the, the the plot twist or the curveball at us, when we seen him, you know, take a, an aggressive approach towards his neighbor with the daughter. Oh, you know, with her fine ass. <laughs> but, um, you you know, when he took their approach and kissed her and asked her to come to his um, his stand up, his opening. Oh, well, his first time doing stand up. He asked her on the date, this, that and the third. You just see him having a good time, being happy, talking, uh, getting some food and come to find out this nigga was thinking about all that in his head. None of that shit was fake. None of it was fake. And that's just to show you how crazy, like, the mental illness game is. Is like, yo, that's crazy, right? Um, yeah, man. I, I, Like I said, I work with clients, and I have to sit up there and build a relationship with them because if I don't, like... It could go it could go south real fast, you know, like they can get combative in public, in community with, uh, you know, with people in public that I have to explain that police have been called before the whole nine, the whole nine. And one thing, uh, another thing I took away from this movie is that um, literally nobody was listening to him. Nobody was listening to him. You know, this is a man who clearly grew up without a father. Uh, this was a man who was picked on. This was a man who was underachieved uh, because he was walking around being a clown. But he also had he also had a disability. He also had a disability. And the cold part about it is up until the point where he found out what his life was really about, um, that his mom was this person that he didn't really know. He didn't, you know, the information that he found out about his mom, he didn't know. Uh, when he found out uh, the dude that he thought was his dad wasn't his dad. And then on top of that, getting jumped in the alley by some kids, getting picked on a train by some other cats, like all of that, you know, people calling him weird and, and saying that, you know, his coworkers is kind of finding him kind of weird and don't want to be around him. and, you know, before finding out the truth about his mom, Cass is like, yeah, your mom is crazy. She's delusional. You was adopted. All that shit builds up and then, boom, he snapped. You know, like, because everything he doesn't have, and he said it, he doesn't have anything else to lose. Like, he could die at any moment. And then when I, at that at that point, I started to think, like, you go back to all the movies that he that Joker was a part of even in the cartoons, right? And it's like, we already knew that Batman just had a hard time trying to kill this nigga. Not even trying to kill this nigga, just flat out kill this nigga. And I'm trying to put it together. And for the longest, I always thought like, yo, is these niggas secretly brothers or something like that? And this was just a son, like on some one tree hill shit. Like you was just that son that didn't get the attention and while the other one was raised in royalty and shit like that. That's what I thought for a long time, right? Because like I said, I didn't read the comics when it, come, when it came to Batman, Joker. I didn't read too many DC shits at all, and I barely read the Marvel shits. But I was more so paying attention to the movies and the cartoons, and it was the same pattern. Like, he never could just say, all right, 
and he had plenty of opportunities to kill Joker. Joker has begged him to kill him, to put him out of his misery, and he never did. You know, and I and I'm like, why? And that always stuck with me. And I and I'm like, why? And then I figured it out. Now I put my spin on it and I said, well, maybe it's because he feels sorry for him. Because in the movie, Arthur goes and meets Bruce Wayne. You know what I'm saying? And he talks to him at the gate, um, thinking at the time, thinking that that's his little brother. You know what I mean? So I think he's seen that that interaction between Arthur and, and, and Alfred, like, yo, maybe, you know, he felt some, a little, you know, he felt bad for him. Not only that, not only that, I think Batman didn't want to kill a man and have the blood of a mentally ill person on his hands. That's what I really think. I really think Batman didn't want to have that guilt of killing someone that wasn't stable upstairs that, that went through so much pain, so much confusion, so much frustration. He didn't want to be the person to put that man out of his misery and have to live with that. But at the same time, this nigga Joker is like, I'm living my best life fucking this city up. And that's why I said the transition from that Joker into Heath Ledger Joker would be perfect because again, this was the origin. So this was the, this was, the, this was the beginning. And I just think they did an excellent job. And, and again, like I said, I, don't, I normally don't do movie reviews. I just wanted to show you how this kind of relates to me and my background. Like again, I don't have a mental illness uh, like him. You know what I'm saying? I think we all have mental issues. I got PTSD just by growing up in LA. But everybody has a different situation. Everybody has a different problem. Everybody has a different past that dealt that, that, you know, the birth of their mental illness comes from something different than anybody else's. And so I'm not saying I can fully relate to what he went through, but at the same time, I understand the frustration when he sees people acting crazy in the streets. Like, for what? Like, why are you being mean to me? Why are you yelling? I feel that way. You know what I'm saying? Now, everything else that he had to deal with, that's something personal. Maybe he was born with some shit or maybe it was some shit to where, you know, he doesn't remember him being adopted. You know what I'm saying? Going back that far. But everybody deal with certain shit is like, and he snapped. And I don't, it's not all right. It's not all right what he did, but a lot of people feel like the people that he killed, I mean, shit, they had a right to die. And I'm like, man, look, I'm not I'm not up for like taking anybody's lives or whatever. And again, because he did it in a public setting, they're comparing it to a mass shooting. And I get that. Um, at the same time, the people that he killed either made fun of him, picked on him. Or tried to beat his ass and he got he enough is enough. And it's not like he went out and searched for a weapon to kill these cats. The weapon was given to him by a coworker. So he had that gun and he just kept it. He kept it. Now I'm not sure if he just kept it for protection early on or he kept it because I don't know. I couldn't even tell you why he kept it because he didn't seem like that type of person. But you could just tell, man, like 
throughout that whole movie, he needed to be, and it's, I know it's corny to say, but he, that man was just looking for some love, love and attention. And he, he couldn't necessarily get that type of love or enough love from his mom. Cause she was sick. She had, he had, he was too busy taking care of her. Just think about it. A mentally ill man taking care of his mom. That's crazy. And a lot of people don't look at it that serious, but it's like, yo, that's, it's, it's a lot of jokers out here. It's a lot of jokers. I worked on Skid Row. I worked on Skid Row. And not only that is, it's people out here that don't have access or the resources to get into these programs. So there's a lot of people out here. And there's some people out here that don't have medication. Keep that in mind. I'm just saying, man, this was a good movie. And I know a lot of people, you know, it's either, it's one or the other. Either people are saying that it's trash or it's like super good. Like some people saying it's the best movie of the year. And some people said they didn't like it because, and it's not because of the actual movie. They saying it's trash because it made Joker look different. They went from saying like Jordan is a cool villain to like, yo, this nigga has problems and it's dark. That's what happened. That's exactly what happened. So, but, and I think, I think the people that, that, that don't like it, that says that is, like I said, I agree or whatever, because it is dark in DC. They, 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 you know, that's what they mess with. They mess with that darker side. Marvel is, you know, they own that Disney shit. Um, but as far as, but as far as this Joker movie, man, like, it's, that's what it was. I mean, I, I'm just, my bad. That was a, that was a nice ass Ferrari though. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what, that's real life. That's real life. The one thing that I want people to take away from this, if you haven't seen the movie, you don't necessarily have to see the movie to understand what I'm talking about when I say, um, we've all been in public. We've all been in the public in certain communities, certain places, whether it was the bank, supermarket, school, whatever. And you see somebody that's a little bit off, like a little bit off. Uh, they seem a little antisocial. And I, and, and there's a lot of people that's, that's introverts that just don't like talking to people. That is, that's, to me, that's not a mental, that's not a mental illness, but I'm just saying, you gotta be careful on how, I mean, you just gotta be careful on how you treat people, man. Truth be told, you just got to be careful on how you treat people because you just never know. You just never know. This is every day. You know, somebody like you could be having the best day in the world and you could bump into somebody that's having the worst day and everything can change at that moment. You just never know. You could be yelling at somebody, uh, fucking road rage and a person that you cut off, you know, they just lost somebody or whatever the case may be. And now they feel with so much rage and anger and you feel with so much rage and anger over nothing, over nothing. Or you end up walking to the store and a person with a mental disability pushes his basket and accidentally hits yours and doesn't say, excuse me. And you like, you get into your ego bag and like, yo, you can say, excuse me. And then that triggers them off because you're telling them what to do. And then boom, and trust me, I work in this field. I work in this field. So I've seen clients go off by you demanding them to tell, you know, to say certain things or whatever the case may be. I've seen it before. I've seen it before. Uh, this was a good ass movie. 
a good ass movie. And um, I don't know what's going. I mean, it was some other movies that come came out earlier this year, but it definitely ruled the month of October thus far. And it probably looked like it's going to be the best thing for the rest of the fall and the winter. Um, that's it, man. That's it. Appreciate y'all listening. See y'all next week.